Hello there, friend. Welcome back to the Cash Confidence Stylist Podcast. So before we get into this episode, I got a question for you. How often do you ask yourself, where the hell is my money going? Okay, look, a lot of us, that runs in a constant loop in our mind. And it's time to take your first step towards financial empowerment. So I wanted to give you a free resource that is going to help you do just that. I wanna give you Assess Your Situation, which is the first module in my course, as well as your guide to figuring out where the fuck your money is actually going. Sorry if you have kids in the car. So this is gonna be a free guide that I've created to help you break the loops, providing you with tools to assess your current financial situation. You don't even have to break out the calculator and to help you gain awareness about what you actually need to start making those money moves where it truly matters. So go ahead and scroll all the way down to the bottom of the show notes and snag it. The link is down there um, and enjoy this episode. Let me know how assessing your situation goes. Thanks friends. This is Misty Jane, and you're listening to Backroom Beauty Talks, a real, raw, and unedited podcast that helps uplift the hair industry one stylist at a time. Hello there, friends, and welcome to another episode of Backroom Beauty Talks. Today, I am talking with Nina Tulio. I am so pumped about this conversation. I have been following Nina for quite some time. I absolutely love how open she is about the struggles that she has went through in her past with her business and her life, all of the things. As you know, I am here for vulnerability, so I had to ask her to be on. I got to officially meet Nina digitally if that makes sense. It's not how we meet everyone nowadays. <laughs> During a networking event for Independent Beauty Pros. Now, if you have not heard of Independent Beauty Pros, it is basically a LinkedIn for hairstylists, coaches, makeup artists, um, lash specialists, na- beauty professionals in general, okay? It is a place for education. It is a place for resources. It is a place for networking. It is a place to meet those in the industry and people that want to uplift each other. It is a great way to meet people like Nina or myself in the industry where it's a little bit nicer to meet in a space where you know everyone is there to uplift you. If you are interested in becoming a part of Independent Beauty Pros, I will link the link in the show notes. So I wanted to thank um, Nina for coming on and supporting the podcast and being real open and honest. And I think you'll enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Hello, Nina. Hi. Welcome to Backroom Beauty Talks. Thank you for chatting with me today. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to be here today with you. I'm like super pumped to talk to you because I always enjoy anyone who is very open about their story and the things that they have been through and sharing them with other stylists or people in general, because I really do feel like a lot of things that we go through as stylists, like a ton of other people also can relate to in various ways. Oh yeah, (laughs) for sure. And thank you for that. Yeah. I mean, I just feel like you know, just sharing my own experience and things that I have gone through could maybe touch someone or give them some hope or make them feel that they're not alone. So yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm an open book and I like to share, you know, things that I made mistakes on. (laughs) So hopefully, you know, you guys don't do the same. So yeah, thank you again so much for having me. And I'm actually excited to just chat with you and, you know, we're kind of newly connected. I mean, we've been following each other for a while, but it'll be cool just to chat and have conversation. 
Absolutely. That's the one thing I love about this podcast. I feel like I get to know people um, in a different way, which is really awesome. And yes, I like what you said about, um, you know, I think there's value in relatability. And I think a lot of times that we don't realize how much um, that really matters, like just putting yourself out there and being able to talk about things and, and somebody going, oh my God, like me too. Um, so thank you for being that person as well. So I want you to kind of start off with, um, tell me a little bit about your story. How did you end up in the hair industry? Um, kind of what roads have you taken along the way? Where'd you get started? Well, I'll, I'll keep it short and sweet because I've been in the business now for 25 years. So my story could be a little bit long, but, um, I, I knew that I wanted to be in the beauty industry. I was very young. So I had two choices. This is what I decided. I was either going to be a dolphin trainer or I was going to be a hairstylist. And when I was probably in middle school, my mom said, well, you know, you're going to have to go to college and you're going to have to share a room with people. And I was like, nope, I'm done. I already checked <laughs> out all she had to say were those two things. And I was done. Um, definitely was not a school person, barely just got through high school, uh, really had a hard time in math, which is interesting because now I do a lot of working with numbers and budgeting and percentages and all those things. Um, and so I decided I wanted to go to, uh, cosmetology school in my book in Votech. So I was a vocational student. I was the first one to sign up in my class. You were too. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. I love that. I love my fellow vocational students. Yeah. I had the best teacher. I thrived. I was a straight A student because I was so invested. I, I swear I only had like two A's in my life. One was in cosmetology school and the other was in Spanish because I really, I speak Spanish now, but I was really invested in learning Spanish. And so I was like always paying attention. So I did really well in Spanish, but as far as A's, that's as far as it went. Um, and so I went to school. I love school. I finished high school. And then I finished, I had 250 hours left. I went to Allentown school of cosmetology. I, uh, my hometown is Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. And then I started to work oddly enough. I started to work at a really small salon and I just was like, I'm not making enough money. I want to be able to, you know, get an apartment and do all of these things. So I ended up working at circuit city too, which is really? circuit, circuit city. city. Yes, I do. <laughs> It is so crazy. I ended up working at Circuit City, met the best people. Some of the friends that I have now for 25 years are people that I met at Circuit City. I went through a rigorous training because I became a customer service manager very young at like 21, 22. I went to Richmond, Virginia for training and a week-long training. And it really helped build a little bit of my management and uh, foundational leadership skills by doing that. It was an amazing thing that I did but I was also working at a salon part-time. Finally, I ended up working at a full-time, getting a full-time gig at a salon. It was at a walk-in salon. And I was, that's when I met my mentors. That's when my life completely changed. So Robin uh, is still my mentor to this day. We're going 25 years deep now, um, or 24 years. And her and her husband at the time just changed my life. I started working at the salon as a hairstylist. Then I became a manager and then I became the district manager for their salons and I ran eight locations. So I had about eight direct reports, 55 employees. And I ran that company for about seven years until we moved to West Palm beach, Florida. And we opened up a small chain of hair salons together. We opened up five in one year. And wow. at that time I decided that I was with them for eight years. I wanted to 
do my own thing. I was missing Pennsylvania, which was so crazy because I was in West Palm Beach and the weather was beautiful and I loved it, but I wanted to get back home. And so I left and I walked away from everything. I mean, they set me up sweet. I was making, at the time I was making 65K a year and I was only 24, 25. They had, I had a brand new car, completely paid for insurance, paid for cell phone, paid for. Um, I just, and they, helped me just kind of, you know, create my future in terms of what my business looked like forever grateful, but I just had to do my own thing. I was kind of in the shadows a little bit. So I left, went home, uh, had a turn in my car, literally had no job. I was teaching dance class because I I'm a dancer. I'm a trained dancer. So I was teaching dance class. And in the meantime, I was working on open up my own salon. And so it took me about six months and then I opened up my own space and it was called Anthony Ashley back in Allentown, Pennsylvania. And I had that salon for 11 years. It was a commission business. I did work behind the chair. I was behind the chair till year nine. I sold it in year 11. First five years of my business were wah, wah, so bad. <laughs> Got myself into so much debt, so much trouble, made so many mistakes. And then I turned it around and started to take accountability for my actions and my business and my decisions, hired a great team. And uh, we were able to grow that business 20 to 30% year over year until I sold it. And so now here I am, you know, 2016, I sold, started this business. I've been consulting ever since. And I work with awesome stylists and owners and really just kind of help them build their confidence, build their business and really help them understand how to uh, create a sustainable business. So that's kind of it in a nutshell. I love that you've dipped your toes in so many different things, but I have to ask, <laughs> Please explain the dolphin training thing. <laughs> You're still on that. That was like, I'm like I need to one. know more about that. <laughs> I love that. Well, I am a huge animal lover. If you guys know me, you know, I love animals. I mean, I have this dream. My husband and I have this dream to like open up a ranch and save all the dogs and really open up like a nonprofit to save um, dogs that typically people don't want. Mm -hmm. um, so whether they're disabled or what have you. So that's kind of like my dream. Uh, I am and have always been an animal lover and really care for animals in like a deep way. And so I just remember going to SeaWorld. I mean, we're going back because I was, you know, I was probably in fifth or sixth grade. And right. I remember going to SeaWorld and watching the trainers and I was like, oh, I want to do that. Like they were just in command of the stage and they were in command of um, the audience and just had that cool relationship with their, with the whale or the dolphin or, you know, what have you. And I was like, you know what? I want to be a dolphin trainer. That's what I want to do with my life. My mom's like, okay. <laughs> but this thing of wanting to do hair was always with me. I always yeah. loved taking care of people. I love making people feel beautiful. So that's kind of where it came down to. Like I have to pick one or the other. Are you still doing hair at all? No, I haven't done hair since 2016. So I actually stepped away from the chair in 2015. I stopped doing hair completely. A lot of it was to really help to grow the business, to scale the business, to help the team grow. I wanted to focus really on them. So I went from working five days to four days, three days, two days, and then no days behind the chair. And, um, and the business was being positioned to be sold at that time too. So I just, I had to get myself away from being behind the chair. One of my mentors always told me to, um, and that that's Ray Holland and he has recent, not recently, but about a year has since passed. Um, but he always told me you, your strength is not behind the chair. Don't get me wrong. You're a great hairstylist, but your strength is growing people. And the longer you stay ball and chain to that chair, 
you're not going to be able to live your fullest potential. And I always kept that with me. And so I knew that I wanted to get myself away from behind the chair. Uh, and not because I didn't love it. I love doing hair. I love my clients, but I knew that I wasn't, it wasn't where I sh was supposed to be. You know what I mean? It wasn't like my, uh, I wasn't shining behind the chair. My, my stylists were way more talented than me. And I love that. My strength was really growing and leading a team of people and just leading people in general. And when you're behind the chair, you guys know this, it's really hard to do both. And I didn't have an assistant. I didn't have anyone helping me. I didn't have a coordinator. I ran the business on my own and I didn't have a manager or anything. And so that's why I had to cut back behind the chair to really give a hundred percent to my team. Yeah. It's hard. You can't really be a, like a stylist and an owner at the same time. Can you, I mean, you have to like try and wear two hats, but you're going to like, you know, let somebody down in that situation. Right. I mean, you can I, listen, I did it. And I listen, my first five years, again, struggled, struggle bus big time. I learned from my mistakes. Um, the last five years I was tired, you know, I got really tired. So yes, you can do it but you do need help. I learned that the hard way. You do have to ask for help and you do have to delegate. And that's why it's important to have a good team around you. And I had a great team. I'm still friends with them. We talk often and I love them. I would do anything for them to this day. And they were very helpful, but I had a hard time asking for help sometimes too. So that's why I became burned out and tired. I just worked constantly. It was like my obsession almost. And when I stepped away and I sold, that's when I really realized that I threw myself into this business and I was low key obsessed with this business because there was shit that I didn't want to deal with. And when I let go of that and sold the business, it was a shit storm. Like things really came up and I went through a really, really hard time after that, but you have to be able to ask for help. You can do it. Um, you don't need a manager. Is it helpful? Absolutely. But you've got to be able to make sure that you can afford it. You know, right now, when you say it was a shit storm after you sold the business, can we talk about that? What happened there? Oh yeah, that was, <laughs> I can laugh now, but it was probably one of the hardest times because you know that we tie ourselves and our identity so much to our business and like we do. And because this was my baby and it was all that I knew for 11 years, I mean, I eat, sleep and breathe this business. So letting go of my team and not seeing them every day, saying goodbye to my clients, saying goodbye to my, my normal, my routine every day was so hard. And I lost my, I didn't know who I was for a minute and all of the things I, I was a workaholic and I would still say I am a workaholic, but today I'm a workaholic for different reasons mm -hmm. before I was a workaholic with my business, because I was trying to just push down, hide, cover, conceal all of the pain that I was going through in my life. And I just worked to cover it up and that's dangerous. And when I didn't have the noise when I didn't have the business and shit settled, I was like, oh my God, everything came up. And I remember going to, and this was not too long ago because I'm 43 now. So this was my 40th birthday. My husband decided to take me to um, the Miraval resort. It was like one of the places that I wanted to go to in Arizona to do horse therapy. I don't know if you've ever heard of horse I therapy. Haven't. So and I'm all about therapy. I've been in therapy since I'm 21. I've done healing. I've done Reiki. I've done all the things. Um, and I think it's, you know, it's beneficial, you know, to chat with someone and get things off your chest. Totally but this agree. horse therapy is you spend time with this horse and 
you go to, you're supposed to pick up their leg. And if they're, if they don't want to lift up their leg, it's because that they know that you're not being honest and you're hiding things. Cause there's like a mediator there and his name is Wyatt. And it was the most powerful, most profound thing I had ever been through. My husband and I did it together. There were 10 other couples there and you're literally pouring out your soul to these strangers with this horse. I know it sounds crazy. Right. Um, it does sound a little crazy. As I'm no, saying, I don't think but... so. With your love for animals too. Like, I yeah. don't think it sounds crazy at all. So yeah, we went through that and why it ended up getting me to share things and talk about things that I have never even shared with my family. And with that, if you guys have any, have done work on yourself or any kind of healing, you've got to go down to go up. Yep. And I went down when I left there, I spiraled out of control. Um, I went into like a deep, dark depression. I started to journal and try to help myself and address some of the things that had happened, you know, when I was a child and all of these things. And I just couldn't get it together. And I reached out to my therapist and she was on vacation. It was like July. I'm like, who the hell goes on vacation in July? <laughs> I'm like, I, I need, need you. you. <laughs> yeah, I need you. So yeah, I remember going out. This is when we lived in Connecticut. Um, I remember going out one night and taking a walk and we went to go grab some pizza and it was probably maybe in my second or third month of this. And I looked at my husband and I said, I, I think I need to check myself into a place. And he was like, what, what do you mean? I said, like, I, I need help. Like I need, I, I need to be with someone who's going to tell me what I can do to heal this pain because I can't go on like this. And, um, I could just see the look in his face. Like it actually gets me emotional because he, he's so used to me always being so strong. And I just was literally in despair. Like I was just done. And he was like, okay, well, you know, what, what do you want to do? And I said, I'm going to try to call Nancy. She was my therapist at the time. Let me try to get a hold of her first and let me see what she recommends. And finally got a hold of her. She came back from vacation. And I ended, I ended up walking through all of the things with her and we spent so much time on the phone and we did like a FaceTime call. And honestly, after I said that to him and after I had that conversation with her, I started to heal. It was almost like I needed to just like get it off my chest. And the fact that I was able to admit that I needed to possibly check myself into a facility was vulnerable in a way that I've never been vulnerable for. And it made me feel better that I could say it because I was thinking it for so long. Right. And so once I got it out and I talked to Nancy and we worked through and she set me up on a plan and what to do and take action. Look, I'll do the work. Like I'll do action all day. I just didn't know where to turn. I was writing letters, like burning things. Like I didn't know what to do, but she got me on the right path. And so it was a long road. It was about a year of commitment to myself, of healing, of meditation, of journaling, of therapy, um, and doing things that for myself that I really didn't take the time to do. And I'm still a work in progress, like totally am. Um, but that was probably one of the hardest times in my life because I hit bottom and I was still growing this business. Right. I was still growing this and I was still working and, and showing up on Facebook and Instagram, like, Hey guys, how? like, no one knew that I was really struggling like that. And not that I was trying to hide it, but I was just in a different space. And I did start to slowly share stories and go through things. And I mean, I have all of it is documented on Facebook and Instagram. You can check out some things that I've shared, you know, from my experience of healing, but man, it was just, 
it was rough. It w- really was, but I'm glad I went through it. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I can relate on a smaller scale because um, I stopped working behind the chair in September and mm-hmm. it was an interesting, you know, the lockdown happened. It was like a forced, you know, shutdown where I, I was probably the most depressed I've ever been in my entire life. And I am a happy, positive person. And it was like, it was just a, not a good time. And then when September rolled around and things were still uncertain, but I wanted to start coaching my son. I have a six-year-old, you know, he was staying home for virtual learning. What are we going to do? All this stuff. I said, you know what? I'm just going to pause my, I'm going to pause or stop whatever, you know, we'll see my 17 year career. And I'm going to dive into coaching because, you know, now I'll have the time and blah, blah, blah. (laughs) The first three months, the tears and the crying and the, this yelling, the, I mean, I didn't realize that that validation that I got behind the chair every day was something that I needed so much. Mm. And then I found myself in this find trying to find it on Instagram, which we all know that that's like the worst place to find mm-hmm. it. And then I found myself try- like, it was bad. It was so bad. And I really think it's taken me the last two months. Cause it's been what, almost nine months, I guess, where I'm really like, okay, okay. It's all right. Like, I I've got my coping things. I also see a therapist. I love my therapist. I also have a coach. Elizabeth Fay is yeah. my coach. Um, we had a retreat in February and I needed that. And I, cause I, I realized at that, I accepted that I was the feelings that I was having. And, you know, I hear you say that acceptance is the hardest part. Oh, yes, for sure. And that's with anything, right? You're so right about that. And I relate to you and kudos to you for doing that really. And just kind of pausing whatever it was going to be pause or stop. And I love that you said it that way because you didn't really know. I didn't know. (laughs) You took a a risk and you took a risk on yourself. And sometimes that's the hardest thing to do. However, the best bet you can ever take is on you because you know that you will show up, show out. And if you don't, you have no one to blame, but you. Yep. So kudos to you for doing that. It's really, really hard to be able to step outside of that comfort zone and do that. And acceptance, what I learned in therapy too was, and I learned this a while back and she said this to me and I was like, it was like mind blowing, but she said, the only way she asked, she kept asking me, what are you looking for? What are you looking for? And I said, I just want peace. I just want peace in my heart and my soul. And she said, let me tell you something right now. The only way that you will find peace and love in your peace in your heart and soul is when you accept everything that you have endured and you accept the fact that you will be okay healing through it. Yeah. And the acceptance part, it kind of was like, really? So when I, I was doing a ton of yoga and I would always go in and set my attention, intention for peace. And I changed my intention for acceptance. Yeah. And that's when things really started to shift and change because we have to accept what we went through. It doesn't define us. It's just a p- part of our story, but we have to accept the healing and we have to accept the future and what is to come, right? Because we, we just don't know what's happening, but we have to kind of accept all of these things in stages. I love that you said that. And it's so on point because until we accept all of the things, we just kind of can't move forward. And if you think about even something tiny, right? Like somebody hiring a coach or something like that, like you have to accept that you need help. Period. You have to accept that there's things that you're not sure about. You have to accept that there's things you have to learn or, or, 
you know, it, it, and it's, it's always the hardest part always. Mm -hmm. And, and the things that you realize once you accept it is like, holy shit, even like my debt story, which I, I'm not going to go completely into that, but like for the longest time, I always just thought like, I couldn't have these things. I couldn't live this life. And it wasn't until I accepted that I was sabotaging my life Mm -hmm. that everything changed. And it's so fascinating. I always, (laughs) my new thing now is I always say, you know, it's crazy because it sounds so simple, but all you really have to do is believe you can do it. Yeah. And it's that easy. Absolutely. And it starts, it starts with the belief that you can do it and then you put action behind it and then you're a force. Right. right? Then you're action is the most important Mm -hmm. part for sure. Yeah. But I don't think it's the hardest. Absolutely. And no. And yeah, you're right. It, it is. Well, it, it can be, but I think the getting started, like people can get started, but it's kind of like that middle section where it's like, okay, now that I have the idea, what do I do with it? The overwhelm. It's that like, what do I do with it part? And then it's like, yeah, the overwhelm. And then it's like, okay, now I just have to create a plan of action. The consistency actually is the hardest yes. because in our industry, especially we're very well known for having amazing ideas and implementing them, but not sticking with them. Mm -hmm. So for instance, on social media, if you are looking to grow your business on Instagram, let's just talk about Instagram. If you're looking to grow your business there, you've got to show up every single day with something to say to your target audience and be consistent in your message and be consistent in the way you show up. And I don't mean consistent like three months. I mean, consistent like forever. Yes. You know, and nothing <laughs> changes unless you're consistent. And actually consistency is the key to growth. So we've got to be consistent in our businesses and it's really, really hard, but you've got to set boundaries around that and hold yourself accountable so you can implement and like stay on par with the things that you want to accomplish in your business and in your life. And it truly is attainable. Absolutely. Anything is. Yeah, I agree. Do you think that Nowadays, so I always think about my son, right? He's six years old and patience for him is like non-existent because he does, he, if he wants to watch a specific show, he just puts it on that episode right away. He doesn't have to rewind. He doesn't have to fast forward. He doesn't like, I think about kind of the way that we grew up and like, they're like, you put in a VHS and you had to rewind it. You had to go to the movie theater or it's a blockbuster. Like, you know what I mean? And like, I think about it now and people, they want this fast success. You know, they want that, like, well, if I just post on Instagram for a little bit, I'm going to be so busy. I'm going to have all this money to do all these things. And I'm very curious with the up and coming stylist, what that is going to look like, like are like, cause I, you know, 17 years, I passed out the business cards. I, you know what I mean? I asked for the referrals. Instagram wasn't a thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm just curious if the lack of patience in the younger generation is going to make a difference for if they can stay consistent, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And let me say this. I have no patience myself. Oh, me neither. Right with you and your son. I've learned. (laughs) I've learned in like various ways, but I horrible patience. (laughs) I'm trying to learn. Yeah. Um, I want everything done yesterday. Right. But you're, you're onto something with that. I think because there's such an immediate or instant gratification feel it's like, it's almost like that hit, you know what I mean? Like, oh my gosh, someone liked my photo. Oh my gosh, they made a comment. Oh my gosh, but, oh, like I people are sliding into my DMs. It's so instant. Mm-hmm. And we're also conditioned with that too when we turn someone around in our chair. That's yes. instant gratification. So I already think that a lot of us are just not super patient because we're so used to 
getting that instant reward right away. We don't have to wait a month. It's like right then and there. I think though, however, yes, can it be a problem with being consistent because you're so looking for that instant gratification? You're so looking to say, oh, I'm going to build my book in three months. That's not realistic. Right. Um, I think it can, yes, it can be challenging, but I also, I also noticed that if people keep trying something and it's not working, they have to pivot. So if if they see that the consistency, they're not, they don't have consistency and things are not working. They're going to have to pivot in some way, shape or form, or they're just going to keep getting the same results. So they may be conditioned to get instant gratification, but when they see that it's not working in order for them to create success, they're going to have to pivot. And it could look like a different pivot for every single stylist, but showing up once and posting a photo once a week is not consistent. And if they continue to do that and say, man, I'm really not growing my books from Instagram, they have to change the strategy. We don't change the goal. We just change the approach. And I think that stylists will start to notice that. And the ones that become successful in their own right, because everyone has their own definition of success, they will know that, look, okay. I know that I love to get shit done right away and I love instant gratification. However, this just is not working for me. So I need to switch it up. Right. Well, and you can have the same goal in mind, but the method needs to change. Mm-hmm. Sure. And that comes back down to, again, accepting that something needs to change and Absolutely. then taking action behind it. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting. I, I'm glad. I love that there's so many different educators because I like that there's so many different kind of um, paths you can follow. And I totally agree. Like everyone's idea of success is different. Um, you know, the group that, that I'm the high powered Academy that I'm in, like we all have extremely different ideas of what Mm -hmm. success is. And it's very interesting when we talk because it's like, I just want freedom. Like I want to be home with my son and I want to be able to travel. And I want like freedom is my idea of success. And then, you know, you've got another girl, like she wants like this fancy car, like that is her Mm -hmm. idea. And it's not, none of it is wrong. Right. Like that is. And I think again, in, in a world where we're seeing what everyone's idea of success is, there's almost this feeling of, um, is that what I should be doing? Or is that what I should be wanting? Or am I lazy because I don't want that? Or am I like, like, I think that all the time, like, do I not want enough? You know, like, because I see other people who want quote unquote, bigger things, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And that's a constant battle as well. Like, no, like being at home with my son and my husband and traveling Mm -hmm. with them is everything. So it's like this coping, you know, and this acceptance where there's a lot of noise happening. Do you agree? Oh, 1000%. And I think Here's to your point. It's really knowing what you value. Yes. You value freedom and time with your family, right? That's something that you value. And now you've created a lifestyle that allows you to have that. Somebody else may value a car or a home. Someone else may value travel. Someone else may value power. You know, I talk about this um, and have talked about this for, for years, even in my like face-to-face classes. Like, what is it that you value? What is success to you? Define it. You know, it could be freedom. It could be money. It could be power. It could be travel. It could be, you know, financial security. What does that look like? I think you have to know who you are first and what it is that you value. So then you can lay the lifestyle and lay the plan out to make that happen for you. And you're right. None of it's wrong, right? Whatever success looks like for you is what it is. 
you know, and you have to live with that. You have to sleep at night with that. So you have to feel good about it. Success is not defined by what other people are doing or what other people think they want you to do or whatever, whatever they think success looks for for you. It's for you to decide. And so that's where the comparison game can get a little bit crazy, right? Because it's like, oh, well, he or she is doing this or he or she is doing that. And oh my God, well, they're traveling and they're an educator and that may not be your gig. That's okay. You may shine in other ways or areas. Maybe for you, it is creating stability and financial success. So you lay low key, you stack cash, you, you save money, you know, you're con- conservative in that route and that's your plan, right? Um, it's, it's different for everyone, but you have to define what it looks like so you can create a plan of action to, to make it happen. Yeah, it's true. I mean, you got to really know what you want and, and who you are, but it's hard not to have the blinders on. Mm -hmm. And for me, like I'll remind myself sometimes, like maybe I'll see something. I'll be like, Oh, that would be cool. And then I have to think, wait a minute. What did they have to do to get that? What did, I don't think I want to do that. I don't really want to do that. You know what I mean? And then it's like, yeah. what, why did I even think that? I, it's like, sometimes you have to like think a little bit deeper into it and be like, eh, what is your idea of success, Nina? My idea of success is making an impact on other people. That for me is number one. Um, in, an impact in a way where people can look back and say, wow, I remember when Nina taught me this, or now I can use that long-term to open up a business or to help somebody else. Um, It's changed. You know, it used to be, so success used to be, and this is where I got myself into the rat race of working so much. It used to be things, tangible items, um, because I was trying to fill a void because we grew up with nothing. So I wanted so hard to prove that I could break the cycle of growing up with no money that I overcompensated. I was trying to mask my own pain. So I started to use things as a way of creating success, you know, having a business that was success for me, you know, obviously having my consulting business is success, but it's changed over time because I've healed those parts of myself. And there's, listen, there's nothing wrong with things. I still like nice things. Don't get me wrong, but I don't need them. Right. I don't need them to feel validated. I like them because I like them, but they don't make me feel special or any certain kind of way. But before I felt like I needed the status. I needed the success of that. I needed the cars. I needed the jewelry. I needed the Louboutins. I needed all of that stuff. And it was just to fill a void. And so that was success to me. If I could buy X, Y, Z, if I could travel here. And, you know, the other thing too, I feel like in terms of the impact part of it, that's a huge part of it. But because I grew up with nothing, because I've had such struggle in the first five years of my business, you know, you talked about your debt story, you know, mine was getting $90,000 of debt while having my salon, having creditors call my business. It was so horrible, embarrassing. I was able to get myself out of that, obviously, and I've been debt-free for a very long time, but that was another horrible time in my life. But with that, it taught me how to change the relationship I had with money. So if that didn't happen, I wouldn't be able to create financial security, which is another thing for me in terms of what success looks like. Before it meant spending, now it means saving. If I can save and create financial wealth for myself, that's success to me. So impacting other people in a, in a huge way and then setting myself up for success in terms of my finances because I didn't have that shit. We lived check to check. We struggled. We didn't have money at all and it was always a point of contention. So 
my money story was really not the best and I had to really heal that. And so um, things have changed, you know, over time, they really have. Well, let's talk about money. That's my favorite subject, obviously, because I think it's interesting. You hear people say all the time, well, I'm just bad with money, right? Like, and they, it's, they define themselves that way. And I was that way, you know, I didn't know I was bad with money. <laughs> and I'm sure at the time you probably didn't either, right? Like you were doing what you knew, like you only know what you know. And um, it wasn't until I accepted that I was making the wrong choices that I made a change. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny because I think people who, well, I, I don't know numbers. I'm bad with money. You know, we're, you know, especially hairstylists in their business. It's like, we don't learn that. Like, Right. I never learned that. I didn't learn that in my personal life. I didn't learn shit when it came to opening my suite. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, nobody teaches you that stuff. Um, and I think, you know, the girls that I coach, like the one thing that I always tell them is like, stop, first of all, stop saying you're bad with money, right? Like, let's say you're learning how to manage your money because mm-hmm. the moment that you accept that you're even trying, I think it just changes your mindset. Mm-hmm. Do you agree? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, there's no college for us, right? In terms of how to manage our money. I think we have to be open to it. The biggest thing that you can do in your business is be open to change. And if the things that you're doing now are not working, if you don't understand your price per minute and your price per hour, if you don't know what your budgets are every single month and your your benchmarks, if you don't know what your target profit is, that's okay. But we can't carry on and continue to do those things because you're just going to keep getting the same results. So if you don't like what's going on in your business, you've got to make the necessary steps to change it. And sometimes it's not fun. You know, learning something new is not fun. A lot of times we say we don't like something or we don't want to do it because we don't know how, you know, it's like learning a haircut. Well, I don't like doing, I don't like doing uh, shortcuts. Well, why not? I don't know. I just don't. Cause you don't know how, you just don't know how to do it. Like, right. Right. Let me show you how, (laughs) and then you can feel comfortable, you know? And I think that with money, you know, our money story, uh, we either, we either continue on the same path and we just recreate what we were taught or we break the cycle. Yeah. And I was very adamant. This is interesting. I was very adamant on breaking the cycle. However, I found myself recreating it first. So although I was thinking, Ooh, I want to break the cycle. I have to break the cycle. I don't want to be broke like my mom and dad. I don't want to live that life. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to. As much as I would say that, I found myself just getting myself into situations that are recreating what they did. And it's because I had to, I just was, we do what we're taught. We operate at the level that we're taught and what we know. And that's what I knew. No one talked to me about money. My relationship with money was horrible because their relationship was with money was horrible. I didn't know what else to do. When I met my mentors, they, it was a different story, right? they did very well for themselves. They were both very self-made. However, I saw that my money story could be different, but I had to rewrite it. And I had to stop making decisions that were really detrimental to my financial security in order to do that. And it was really hard. Taking a look at, look at self is the worst. Taking yeah. a look at yourself and saying, wow, I really did this. Like I messed up. And when my business was struggling and we almost closed twice and I was now $90,000 in debt, that was my fault. I couldn't blame anyone but me. And so I had to go through all of that to then change the patterns and behaviors because the alternative was 
I was going to stay broke. I was going to stay in debt and I did not like it. And I created the exact same thing that I promised myself so much that I wouldn't. And I made necessary steps, big steps to get out of debt. I put myself in a program and, you know, paid off my debt. My husband was super supportive. My husband's really good with money. So that's a good thing. Like we balance each other. I'm like, let's spend. He's like, let's save. So we kind of meet in the middle. Um, And so hold yourself accountable, but also give yourself some grace. You know, you we're not born knowing this. Listen, I didn't even almost graduate high school because I couldn't pass math. Algebra one as a senior in high school, algebra one. Okay. And I was like, please, I'll come in and do extra credit. I have to graduate. And so he gave me a point just so I could graduate because I wasn't going to pass my senior year. If I could do that and then do what I'm doing now, and help people with their budget and their financing and their numbers and all the things you can absolutely do it. You just got to lean in. You've got to ask for help and you have to say, you know what? I know this is going to hurt a little bit. I know this is going to sting. I know this is not going to be fun, but on the other side of it, I'm going to have the biggest growth of my life. And that is the payoff. Yeah. I feel like it only hurts at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Like I remember the first three months hurt. And then I remember at one point looking at my husband and going, oh my God, we have so much more money than we thought. Like after the three mm-hmm. month mark, like when we sure. really were like budgeting and, you know, yeah. and it, it, and it's so interesting because again, it comes down to the hardest part is acceptance. And then, mm-hmm. you know, the first steps to action after that, things get easier. Um, I always say confidence is built on accomplishments. Mm-hmm. And I really mm-hmm. think that that applies to money as well, because once you kind of start seeing it you know, you start making a difference, you continue to, to take the steps because you're seeing, you're getting more confident in it. Um, yeah, it's, it, money is an interesting thing. Well, I, you know, I hear you say, you see your parent, you saw your parents with nothing Mm -hmm. and then you were buying all the things you thought that Mm -hmm. was success. And, and I hear that and, you know, it's, that was, you thought that you were doing something different to change the, you know, what the, um, what am I trying to say? Not the generations, but to change the patterns. Um, and then it kind of screwed you just in a different way. (laughs) My my mom, yeah, my mom taught me, um, that if you have good credit, you can buy anything. So that was my Mm. mindset. So I was like, Oh yeah, I can buy like, let's do all the things. (laughs) Um, so right now, so you have a course, make that money course. Talk to me a little Mm -hmm. bit about that. I love make that money course. And the reason why I love it is because the energy from the suite owners and renters that come through that course is straight fire. Is this a group course? course? No, uh, it's a digital, like, is it digital? digital, Yeah, it's a virtual. Yes. It's a virtual course. However, it's very structured. So it goes week by week. You can watch the videos anytime in the week, but you want to keep up with us in that week because we are doing something every single week. Right. So you, you have access to the course forever and you can come back and visit it. But if you're looking to get the most out of it, you want to stay on track with us every single week. I do live classes. I have a CPA that comes in um, at small business CPA, Michelle Cook. She comes in and she has a portion in there because I am not a CPA. That's not I love her. And I love her too. And I've learned so much from her. And, you know, I created the course during COVID because there is such a need for suite owners and renters. This is not for the commission owner. This is for suite owners and renters only or future suite owners, renters. There was such a need for stylists to understand their profit margins, 
to understand their pricing model so they can actually build profit into their pricing so they can understand boundaries so they can understand how to um, pay their taxes, where to pay their taxes, how to pay themselves, all of the things. And the first chapter is all about your relationship with money. So I created it because during COVID, there was such a need for it and people were really struggling and COVID really pushed me to do it because if not, I probably would still be sitting on it because that's what we do. We just kind of push things off. And these stylists come in so ready to learn. And there's a two-part budget and pricing sheet in there that they get. There is obviously all kinds of PDFs that they get. We have two live classes. I check in the Facebook group every single week. But the energy from these stylists is so lit and I live for it. It's like the quickest five weeks of my life. And I open up the course three or four times a year, but they're so ready and willing. Like they want to do the work and they ask the hard questions and they really do the homework. And I'm so proud of them for that. So uh, I love, I love all of my courses uh, and I love all of the people that come through them, but make that money just, it is just always so lit up. Every single time I get a crew come in, it just is awesome in that way. Well, there's something about teaching people about money that they're going to have forever. Mm -hmm. I mean, not that other, you know, topics they don't have forever, but like it's stuff that they will literally pass down to their children or, you know, it's, it's a cool feeling. Now, what uh, you have other courses too, don't you? Sure. So I do have Synergy, which is my eight week course for commission salon owners and commission salon owners have my heart because I was a commission salon owner for 11 years. Um, And honestly, why I started consulting was to help the commission salon owner. And it's just changed and evolved over time um, with, you know, my four and a half years in of doing this. And that course is so cool because it is the four pillars of creating a successful, sustainable business. And those owners commit so much of their time. Eight weeks is a long time showing up every single week. We do it by chapter. The chapters are two weeks long because there's so much information but leadership and systems and culture and brand and team leading and growth strategies and all of the things, budgeting, pricing. Um, Michelle comes in that course as well as the CPA, but it is just so, they really dedicate their time and energy to that. And then I have a, a, a course that's kind of like a Netflix for business. It's more of like a resource where you can pop in, you can binge over 200 videos. There's different categories. It's 45 bucks a month. And you can literally jump in there for two weeks free and binge all of the classes and everything that you want. And that's called um, the empowered uh, salon owner. And you can just pop in there and check that out and do your own thing. I love you. I love that you called it the Netflix first. (laughs) It is. It's like, oh, what do I need today? Let me look and go to this category and see if this is going to work for me today. Yeah. That's awesome. So before we end this, I also want you to talk about your podcast. Yes. Thank you. So Jay Ladner and I, my best friend, we have a podcast called No Stylist Left Behind. We release episodes every single Friday and we have such an amazing crew of people that support us, people who show up for us every single week. Uh, The podcast is sponsored by Oligo Professional. I'm the business education ambassador for Oligo and Jay is the um, digital creative director. They're awesome in supporting us. And it is real and raw, authentic stories, no edits. We, we don't edit our podcast of leaders and artists and stylists that are willing to share their joy and their pain through their authentic story. And then we do show, you know, we share some business stuff in there as well. Jay and I will record every now and then and pop in and do some business stuff. But we do love to share our stories, um, you know, with our guests that are coming in. Awesome. 
I think my audience would love your podcast as well. (laughs) So where can everybody find you? I live on Instagram. (laughs) You can find me on Instagram at Nina Tulio and you can check out my website, ninatulio.com. There's so much information on there. There's a free download about how to increase your profit. Um, Again, you can check out the 14 days totally free on the empowered salon owner. That's for suite owners, renters, and commission uh, salon owners. But there's a lot of information in there for stylists as well. But um, I live on Instagram. So please, if you're listening and you want to slide on into my DMs, please feel free to do so. I answer every single one of them. I just want you to know that you are loved and you are supported uh, and that I hear you and that I'm really here to kind of help you grow your business and also grow yourself in the meantime. I love that. Nina, thank you so much for chatting with me today. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I'm so excited. Honestly, I feel like I could talk to you for days. I, I was going to say, you're, with you. you're welcome anytime. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. I am down to come back anytime. And I would love to learn more about you too. This is just so cool to just chat and talk about stuff that people sometimes are not comfortable talking about like money and debt and all of that stuff. So thank you for providing this platform um, and safe space for allowing us to be able to talk about it so freely and openly. I really hope more people start talking about money more, you know, I mean, it's amazing even just talking to my clients in the past, you know, and how just a conversation with them would change little things that they would do, you know, and Mm -hmm. just having the conversation. I mean, it does, money doesn't have to be scary. Everyone needs it. (laughs) 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 Nina, thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Once again, thank you so much for listening to Backroom Beauty Talks. If you like what you heard, please screenshot it, post it on the gram, tag me, tag Nina. If you feel so inclined to leave a review on um, Apple Podcasts, that would be absolutely amazing. And again, I will talk with you on the next one.